So how do you track all of that across multiple devices and understanding user level behavior and activity so that the marketer at Pizza Hut can understand, all right, the fact that I ran these TV commercials in addition to these display ads helped affect business in this positive way. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. Today we have Tony Yang, who is the VP of Marketing at Conversion Logic, which is an independent SaaS-based attribution measurement and analytics provider. And fun story: his CEO was also on. If you go to the YouTube channel for Growth Everywhere, you can look at that interview as well. But today we're going to talk to Tony about kind of his experiences around marketing and just jump around from topic to topic, just to keep you guys up to date on what's going on. So, Tony, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Eric? Doing well. Um, yeah, I mean, why don't we start off first with kind of telling a little bit about kind of who you are and what your story is. Sure. Um, so first of all, thanks for having me. Um, and, uh, and also for having our CEO uh, a couple of weeks ago um, on your video podcast. But um, yeah, a little bit about me. I'm currently the VP of marketing at uh, Conversion Logic, which you mentioned is a, a cross-channel attribution SaaS platform for consumer brands. And uh, I've been in this role for the last, I'd say, eight months now. You know, we're a startup company. We're about 40 to 50 people, um, rapidly growing. And startups has been, you know, sort of the uh, the experience that I've been having in the last 10 years or so. Uh, I guess I, I caught the startup bug. <laughs> and uh, especially since I live up here in Silicon Valley, it's, it's you know, as you know, it's, it's uh, startup central. Although these days, you know, um, little pockets of... Uh, Technology communities are popping up everywhere, especially even in LA. But yeah, I've been working in various startups for the last 10 years, primarily in marketing roles and uh, in various stages. And you were from uh, being the fourth employee at a bootstrapped startup as my first uh, startup experience, straight out of business school to uh, incubated startups at larger telcos and uh, yeah, uh, everything in between. And then prior to that, uh, I did work in some larger enterprise companies, uh, such as IBM uh, out in China. That's where I first got into uh, into marketing. So, yeah, covers the, the gamut. Yeah. So, I mean, I know we talked about it in the video podcast that your CEO explained it, but can you explain it to the audience? Because I think this is something a lot of people, especially e-commerce, are this is something that, that they need. So can you explain a little more about how Convergent Logic actually helps people and maybe talk to a case study? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, as we mentioned, we're... Um, we're a SaaS platform uh, that that solves a problem for consumer marketers who work at uh, uh, you know B2C brands, um, companies like GM, Pizza Hut, Microsoft. At least they're consumer-facing uh, products and, and divisions. And uh, the primary challenge that we're solving for these marketers is around um, attribution, right? And so uh, I've been in marketing for the last 15 years, and uh, there's never 
you know, a moment where someone, or I guess there's always situations where, let's say, either my boss or, you know, in startups, when I talk to a CEO that I report to, they're always asking me, all right, what's, what's the ROI on marketing, on your marketing spend across these campaigns, right? And even though the bulk of what I've been doing has been in B2B, the similar challenge exists for uh, consumer-facing marketers, uh, even today, right, um, which is around, you know, how effective are your marketing activities, your marketing campaigns? How are they doing, right? And if you imagine, let's say, your, I don't know, Pizza Hut, uh, which is one of our um, customers, and um, I don't know the exact details of that account right now, but let's just say, for example, you're the marketer at Pizza Hut, and you're spending millions of dollars every year on advertising, right? Through digital campaigns, uh, you know, display ads, social, stuff like that, to even your traditional advertising channels, such as TV. Let's say you go and buy, I don't know, um, I don't know how much it is these days, let's say $5 million Super Bowl <laughs> commercial spot, right? <laughs> and naturally, you're going to want to know um, what kind of effect those uh, marketing campaigns and advertising has on your business in, in general. Uh, perhaps in this case, it could be going to Pizza Hut and ordering a pizza, right? And you could just imagine the complexity that a marketer at Pizza Hut uh, would have to face if you're considering the, your typical consumer who is perhaps watching the Super Bowl and sees a Pizza Hut commercial, or later on they're browsing the web and they see a display ad, uh, and then you know, two weeks later, they're on their mobile device and uh, see some additional advertising. Um, and then eventually they end up buying, right? Going on pizzahut.com and ordering a, a pizza. So how do you track all of that across multiple devices and understanding user level behavior and activity so that the marketer at Pizza Hut can understand, all right, the fact that I ran these TV commercials in addition to these display ads helped affect business in this positive way. Um, and so that's at a, at a high level um, uh, describing the problems of attribution. And the way we solve it is we take all the data that um, is now. The great thing about today's world uh, is there's plenty of data, especially with digital, right? Plenty of data available to marketers. But on the other hand, it's, it's, sometimes it's almost too much data. Um, I don't know if that's uh, uh, if you ever encountered that, but you know, being a marketer, if you have access to all these different tools and you're trying to track um, the your customer journey, uh, and you have all these different systems, how do you make sense of all of those things? And it's it's very difficult. Um, and so the way that we do it is we apply machine learning uh, machine learning approach, you know, data science, um, so that we're we're uh, taking that data driven approach to understand. All right. The fact that you ran these ads contributes to this lift and this amount of lift in business. And so that's, that's really how we, uh, we help our customers around attribution. Yep, still here. Sorry about that. I was muted. So I guess my what I was saying was um, the what you basically do, if I'm Pizza Hut and I'm running campaigns on podcasts, radio, TV, Facebook, Google, everywhere, you are helping businesses tie their marketing all together to make sense of it, to make better decisions. Exactly. Yeah, and Brian mentioned in the interview with you the ETL process around data aggregation, normalization, and that's that's uh, one of the, the side benefits um, of our product is which is we can tie in all these disparate data sources. Um, but then the additional gravy on top, if you will, is because we apply machine learning on top of it, it, it makes sense. It helps you make sense of the data that that is you know everywhere, so that you can act um, 
based off the insights you derive from the the model results. Okay, what are what are I guess what are like the best numbers you can share? And you can, you can keep the client anonymous. You can say I helped client A. Well, conversion logic helped client A make fifty million more dollars as a result of better marketing ROI tracking. Is there anything you can speak to that's along those lines? I know that many of our customers uh, do experience a fifty percent increase in effectiveness of their marketing spend, um, just as a I guess if you want to call it an average, you know, the thing is a lot of these customers, they have very specific use cases, but I'd say on average, um, it's not uncommon to see because of the fact that once they, they see the insights arrive from the attribution analysis, they divert their uh, marketing spend to more appropriate channels to help increase the effectiveness. And so it's not uncommon to, to see increases or, or a lift of uh, 50%, um, you know, optimizations on top of what they were experiencing before. Love it. Cool. So those of you that are, well, those of you that, that need something like this, and I think most people do, go ahead and check out Conversion Logic. But Tony, I want to speak to your 15 plus years of experience around marketing. I guess, what are some key lessons you think carry over from every company, whether it's enterprise, B2, enterprise B2B, uh, consumer, just everything you've learned, maybe a top one or two lessons that have stayed constant throughout your journey as a marketer? I think a lot of the lessons that I've learned are from uh, just uh, experiences where, you know, I, I wish in hindsight I had known these things, um, <laughs> mistakes or different way of looking at things or, or, you know, challenges with working with people. But I'd say one of the most important things, and this is what I tell my team um, who are earlier on in their career in marketing, is that uh, always be marketing your marketing internally. Um, and I know that sounds so if you know me, I'm not the type of person who likes to toot my own horn or anything like that. But I think it, for marketing, especially these days, it's really important uh, to make sure that um, you know what you're doing, if it truly has impact on the business and uh, various stakeholders that you work with, um, such as you know sales, right? Like I, I work with salespeople all the time, and and our you know our sales team make your marketing visible in terms of the things that you're working on. That doesn't mean that you need to go and, and tell everyone, oh, yeah, I made this tweak on our, our Google SEM campaign. Um, I, I changed the bid structures from this to this and all that stuff. I don't think they care about the detail. But I think um, what's important is people understand that you know what you're doing in marketing, if it indeed does have an impact, that uh, that they hear about it, so they can you know not just appreciate you for all that you're doing, but it's it's helpful for you know alignment, right? Um, there's this you know I think I'm sure many of your uh, listeners and subscribers work in B2B companies, and there's there has always been this perception that there's misalignment between marketing and sales. Like marketing and sales tend to butt heads, right? Because you know, generally speaking, I think uh, when you talk about marketing and sales in B2B, marketers point to sales and they say, hey, you guys aren't doing your job following up on leads. You're not doing this. Um, and then sales point their fingers back at you and say, well, your leads are crap, all that stuff. And, and you know, this kind of goes into an ABM strategy, which we'll, we'll save for later. But um, uh, I think part of that is, you know, if you're making um, your what you're trying to do and the results uh, just as important and perhaps even more important, transparent to the rest of the stakeholders, I think that's where that alignment starts to, to happen, right? Because you're not hiding anything. You're working together as a team. And also because from a, a management standpoint, you know, if you're working with 
the you know the rest of the uh, the C suite you know in startup I I'm part of the leadership team um, it's it's good to have that visibility with the the rest of the group because of you know maybe people just don't always understand what marketers do the fact that uh, we have to get a list ready so that we could set meetings for an upcoming event sometimes people don't understand all the steps that's required in terms of data management uh, data scrubbing and cleaning. Um, making sure it's it's tracked in the right way, you know all these things that a marketer or someone in let's say a marketing ops or sales ops has to take care of that is behind the scenes and people don't see. And I think it's important to to make sure that as as a marketer you're making those things um, visible and marketing your own marketing. So how do you guys actually do that internally? Is there any specific example or story you can share where you've done that? Yeah, yeah. I think um, part of it is. Um, you know, I think having uh, regular meetings um, and communication uh, is critical, um, especially for me since I, I work remote from most of my team. We, we use tools like Slack right, all the time um, to communicate quick messages. We hop on calls, marketing, uh, myself and, and my team, we participate in the weekly sales pipeline review calls every Monday morning, um, not just listening in, but we actively participate and contribute by talking about, okay, this is what we're doing to help support you guys in sales with your deals and helping to build pipeline, or this is an upcoming event that we're going to be participating in. These are the activities that we're, we're lining up for you guys. And so that really helps with um, that alignment and transparency um, so that people can understand. Um, and then something that we do here at Conversion Logic is we actually send out an internal employee newsletter. You know, we're a small company. We're like under 50 people. But we, we send out a, a newsletter every month, and we include content that matter uh, that we believe matter to the rest of the organization. And that also helps with culture. We, we put things in there like if an employee has an anniversary at our company, uh, we put that in there. We're, we're pretty big on um, you know, assessments and, and things like that. And so we put people's, uh, you know, uh, profiles of their assessment results, like, you know, strengths finders or you know, something similar into the content, as well as, uh, you know, key wins and, and anything related to building the culture, you know, team outings and pictures and stuff like that. I think that's all very uh, useful for helping build the camaraderie, um, especially in a startups, uh, in startups, even though we're still small, I think it's important to build that just that repetitiveness, right? Um, so that people can continue to, you know, look forward to something like that. Yeah, I think it's important to to build out some kind of cadence that people people are used to, and it's great that that you guys do that. But I think a lot of people get too used to, especially in startup world, just executing all the time when you, when it's important to realize that you're you're interacting with a lot of people because at the end of the day it's just like your CEO mentioned it's it's the people that matter but anyway I, I want to talk about you touched upon account-based marketing so a can you define what that is and then b kind of what your what your work is surrounding that right now yeah absolutely so um, but ABM account-based marketing has been something that um, if you've been in uh, in b2b marketing for the last uh, you know four or five years, that's probably a term that has been extremely hot and buzzy. And, you know, the concept of focusing on accounts isn't a new concept. If you're selling to businesses, salespeople have been uh, using terminology and language around accounts, um, you know, for forever, uh, because they're talking about, hey, I closed this account or I need help with this account. 
whereas marketing traditionally has been focused on terminology like leads and prospects, right, about individual people. And, and I think really the the definition of ABM, if we want to take a, a high level of, um, uh, overview, is it's it's a strategic approach to how you engage and um, ultimately, you know, win and, and or sell to, but win business with uh, accounts across your various organizations within your team, within your company. Uh, and so that means, you know, marketing, partnering with sales and for more mature ABM organizations, you know, even partnering with your client success teams on focusing on a key set of accounts and how you go to market to these accounts uh, or with these accounts. And so let me give you an example in terms of what we do here um, with, with ABM. So a lot of people, if you talk to other ABM experts, like, uh, you know, the people over at Terminus and Flip My Funnel or uh, some of the guys over at Demandbase and Engageo as well, they'd be actually really good uh, candidates for your podcast. I'd be happy to make intros. But if you talk to those people, they're all, they're all going to say, you know, start with a set of accounts and how you define those accounts. Um, and yeah, we certainly did that. But more importantly about these accounts is um, understanding a potential buying centers, right? Because when you're let's say selling to a Pizza Hut or a Microsoft, an enterprise type of solution, as opposed to, you know, a monthly, you know, $5 subscription for, you know, an online tool. If you're selling uh, an enterprise type of software, you're oftentimes dealing with, you know, six, eight, 10, sometimes more than 12 people in a decision-making process around a solution like that, right? And so um, understanding who those people are and also their relationships and the um, and their um, how they participate in your sales cycle um, is very important, right? And so once you understand that, then the the way that you um, approach an ABM type of strategy is you focus on the right accounts, the right people, and you begin to um, understand or look for ways to engage with those right people. Uh, and so that drives much of your marketing decisions around what type of tactics and channels and campaigns to run. Because um, even though we still do, you know, for example, Google's uh, paid search campaigns, the fact is that that's, that's a very broad-based type of uh, marketing channel, marketing approach, right? Um, I could tell you probably two-thirds of the leads that come through, again, I'm, I'm using words leads, but representing uh, potential accounts that come through search my search campaigns are probably unqualified because people search for attribution or marketing measurement all the time. Um, they're not necessarily target accounts. With that being said, if you're taking an ABM approach, you're focusing on how do you engage with the right people, and that kind of changes the way that you look at the channels and campaigns that you run. You know, we're doing outbound campaigns uh, with our um, SDR team that reports into marketing, the sales development reps, but we're not just, you know, giving them a lesson they're expecting to to succeed with just cold calls. Um, you know, we want to provide air cover for them, right? So making sure that we're, we're serving um, highly personalized and targeted ads to those target accounts and those accounts only um, so that when they're calling on these accounts, the idea is that they're aware of our brand and the problem that we solve, right? You're using other channels like targeted content syndication where you're putting your content out there in publications where those people you're trying to focus on, where they typically get their information. Um, and if you could get your thought leadership and educational material in their hands, 
across the web that's much more highly targeted than you know broad-based market uh, advertising right and uh, you know so I think those are some of the things that um, you would expect um, to do in the ABM type of approach basically having a, a more focused targeted outreach campaign to build engagement to build you know relationships with the key people at those target accounts so that you could progress them through the sales cycle. Okay, so two questions here. So have you, I mean, what what kind of results can you speak to specifically here? And then the second question follow-up to that is what kind of tools do you recommend around ABM? Yeah, great question. So, you know, we're a little bit early in our ABM execution right now because I just joined like eight months ago. But I can tell you um, one of the initial things that we're starting to see is the average deal size that we're seeing in closed one customers and even pipeline um, sales pipeline has been increasing um, dramatically. And, uh, you know, that could go from anywhere. I think before we were averaging maybe if I were just to, to grab a number out of the air, um, I have these in my Salesforce instance, um, let's say before we had 15 to 20K in terms of MRR for our deals. Now we're seeing 25, 30, and, and sometimes even instances even being greater than those. So that makes a lot of sense, right? Because if you're focused on a target accounts, you're typically going after the bigger fish, uh, the ones that will, will most likely buy from you, but you're spending your efforts on the bigger deals, right? Um, and so you're naturally going to see an increase in terms of uh, the average contract value uh, and overall deal size. And then one thing I'll mention that I was going to say is that an ABM strategy shouldn't just end after you win that deal, because for many SaaS businesses, you're trying to get into a company um, or an account and you're trying to expand, you know, land and expand, right? How do you, um, once you win a customer, how do you sell more or get them to buy more or more accurately? How do you get them to realize more value in your product so that they would buy more of your service or your, 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 your product, right? Um, how do you cross sell? How do you get across to different types of, uh, business units within the company? So, yeah, so I'd say that that's, um, one proof point that we're starting to see. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of cross sell opportunities as well, in addition to increased deal sizes. And then you were asking about, uh, uh, marketing tools, right? Marketing technology, uh, ABM tools specifically. ABM tools. Okay, cool. Well, I think the core tools are um, always important. And by core tools, um, I'm referring to our CRM, which is Salesforce. That's not necessarily an ABM tool, but there's a lot of work that goes into setting up our Salesforce instance so that it's ABM ready. And I have a, I've written a lot of content about this. Um, I'd be happy to share with you afterwards. But it's about you know making sure that everybody who is in the part of the sales process on your teams have a consolidated view of target accounts, um, where we are, where we stand with them in in, uh, in the sales cycle, um, and that's related to Marketo again. Um, Marketo uh, with marketing automation tool, which is synced to Salesforce, not necessarily an ABM tool, although they do have an ABM module, but that's an execution arm for us to engage with target accounts. But on top of that. I'd say some of the um, very critical ABM-specific tools would be uh, a lead-to-account matching tool. Um, we use a, a company called Ringlead, um, and you know they're they're really good. There's several ones alternatives out there that do something similar. Uh, Engageo and uh, uh, Lean Data are two other ones. But essentially, lead-to-account matching solves a shortcoming in Salesforce the way that it's architected. Um, because as leads come into your system through, let's say, an online form, 
they're recorded as a lead record, which isn't tied to an account, um, an account record in Salesforce. And so that's why a lead to account matching tool is extremely critical so that you can identify activity for a target account if they're coming into um, to your site um, through inbound, for example. Um, some of the other tools that I've used in the past are tools like uh, Terminus, which is an ABM display ad uh, tool, which allows you to serve ad impressions to specific accounts as opposed to a broad-based type of approach. And uh, you know, something that's coming back in vogue these days is, uh, is actually direct mail. And you can imagine, you know, why? Because today you're probably getting a ton of emails in your inbox every single day, and so um, simply dropping an email is you're probably going to get lost in the no- in the noise, right? And so direct mail is coming back um, these days. I've seen um, you know companies utilize this in an ABM type of approach very successfully over the last couple of years. Um, and while we don't have a direct mail type of um, system right now, there are certainly ones out there that I'm going to be evaluating. But I'd say those are some of the systems that we're currently using. Wonderful. Great. So we'll, we'll drop that in the show notes. Just one more question from my side. What is one must-read book you'd recommend to the audience? Oh, gosh. Okay. You know, I think that the one that comes to mind is, I'm sure someone else have mentioned this in your earlier podcast, um, and that is Hooked by Nir Ayal. Oh, uh, yeah. He's been on the podcast. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know him uh, personally, but I've had the pleasure of hearing him speak. That book's fantastic. Uh, and that looks sounds like you, you know about it. Um, but essentially, it's around you know, a study of the most successful products and how they form habits by the people who use them. And, you know, as a marketer, uh, I just find it fascinating because, um, it, it, you know, it's not your typical marketing book, right? (laughs) But it helps open, at least for me, it it helped open up my thinking in terms of, you know, uh, even though he's talking about product design and experiences and stuff like that, you know, there's just things that I was able to learn and and draw from to to think about, all right, how do I apply this to marketing, um, to marketing strategy or even my campaigns and my marketing copy and stuff like that. Um, And so I I just find it very interesting. Uh, And also the fact that I've been working in startups, right, where, you know, a marketing, we work very closely with the product teams as well. It's just, it's just interesting to, to, to see. So I'd say that's probably the one book that comes to mind that, uh, yeah, one of the top books in my, on my list. Wonderful. Well, Tony, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Sure. Uh, well, I could always be reached via email, which is Tony at conversionlogic.com, but I'm pretty active on social media, mostly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, you could probably find me on um, through my handle, which is Tones, T-O-N-E-S, 810. So if you just search Tones810 on LinkedIn or Twitter, you'll probably be able to find me there. Tony, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Eric. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.